Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth, and I'm with Mike Grimes, and today we would like to talk to you about being burned in ministry, being burned as a Christian, um, being let down, something that we all experience. But before we start on a downer, uh, let's talk about our weekend, Mike. We should. You know, it's funny you mentioned getting burned. I got burned <laughs> this weekend. That's for Sunburnt. sure. I can see the Shekinah glory coming off of your head. I feel like and I look like a tomato sitting here. We had a great weekend uh, this past weekend here at Omaha Bible Church because we were outdoors, uh, out of doors, should we say, or yeah. outdoor. <laughs> We've been having four services on Sunday morning, and we had one outdoor service. It was great to have everyone together. It was. It was fantastic. We had 13 new members join the church. That was really cool. We also had three uh, individuals baptized. That was really cool yeah. also. Yeah. So... Really a fantastic time. A lot of people helped serving. We're grateful for all the people who set everything up. It didn't rain on all it of the did, equipment. No. It was it was great. Yep. So I imagine you were a bit stressed trying to orchestrate. There all was that some stress, week. but it worked out awesome. So great. Super thankful for that. Well, one thing that we did not do this past weekend when we welcomed those new members uh, into the life of the local church or those uh, who were baptized into the life of the body of Christ, so to speak is we didn't tell them about how awful it's going to be <laughs> and how much pain and suffering and heartache is associated with becoming a Christian yeah. or joining a local church. Right. No, we but, didn't do that. <laughs> would have been kind of a downer. Yeah. But we could have, and I think in some ways we have, because we do talk about such things in membership classes, and it is a regular part of the ministry of the church to let people know that when you become a Christian, it may not mean that your life gets better. Yeah. So what we would like to do today is encourage you with the fact that life is hard as a Christian. Life might even be harder as a Christian in certain ways. Sure. So to offer some what we might call guiding principles, some things to keep in mind, things that I wish someone would have told me about at the beginning of my Christian experience. Yeah. Because the fact is there's a lot of heartache yeah. and a lot of pain. And so today, if you're listening, whether you are a pastor uh, or a parishioner uh, or a pastor's wife, um, regardless of who you are, if you are a Christian, we want to encourage you today. And we really are highly confident that we're going to be able to, because in thinking rightly about some things, we really can more easily or more capably maneuver those painful waters uh, that are the Christian life. Yeah. So the first thing to keep in mind as we approach Christian living and the difficulties uh, would be number one, Christians are not promised a better life. Yeah. We talk about this a lot on Sunday mornings, even you mention it time and time again, that Christians, this is not your best life now. That was low-lying fruit. I suppose you want me to tell the story about when I met with Joel Olstein, but I I'm do, not going to well. do it. But you can look at my Twitter <laughs> handle and see the photograph of it. I look way more aggressive in the picture than I actually was. Um, he did have a bodyguard, multiple bodyguards. And so I, I ask my questions respectfully, um, but truthfully. So in this life, we do live in a fallen world. That's obvious for Christians, but sometimes I think we... we somehow begin thinking like Pelagians yeah. and we forget that the world is fallen. Yep. We forget that Job says that man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. We forget that Jesus in John 16 says in this world, you will have tribulation yeah. or you will have trouble. Uh, Romans eight is tremendously encouraging to us. And yet Romans eight is encouraging to us in the midst of telling us how much we're going to suffer. Yeah. 
So suffering, 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 uh, sometimes through persecution, but it doesn't only have to be persecution. Uh, broken world, fallen world, we are fallen people. Uh, this for sure is not the best age for us. Right. What gets us through this difficult age is confidence regarding the age to come. You know, as we talk about that, I think, uh, I think about Psalm 73 and how the psalmist is kind of confused and perplexed, like, this doesn't make sense. I look at the unbelievers, I look at the pagans around me, and their life looks like it's just the best thing ever. And my life's hard, and life is difficult. Uh, but then the psalmist remembers that uh, in the end, uh, the psalmist has hope because of the promises of God. And so even for the believers, we go through life, we can look around and see people that it seems like they are just living it up and having their best life now. And the truth is, for the unbeliever, this is their best life now. Way and, to be reasonable, Mike. Yeah. For, for us believers, though, I mean, we have, we have hope in what's yet to come. So we need to keep in mind that when unbelievers wrong us, when believers wrong us, when we face even greater hardship, even as believers, uh, as child children of the king, it's not like it's not talked about in the Bible. Right. Uh, it's a matter of we need to be reminded of these things, even if they're real basic things. Yeah. And we should transition then to another thing to keep in mind to help us navigate these waters. And that would be the fact that it, it is better in one sense. It's better in the sense that we do have hope. So we can see hope on the horizon. We're looking to that horizon. Uh, glory not in this life, but another guiding principle would be we do have glory that is Sure. Yes. It is an absolute promise. It is an absolute confidence. That's why Christians talk about hope, not as in, I hope so, right. but hope as in confidence because of the resurrection of Jesus. So though we don't have glory in this life, that's the guiding principle. There is glory and it's sure glory. Right. You mentioned Romans 8 a minute ago. Romans eight eighteen says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I am so grateful that we can bank on that great promise. Yes. So suffering is real, and yet there's something that is incomparable. And so we keep our eyes and our attention focused on something else. Sometimes our cry is, how long, O Lord? Yep. We do look forward to the return of our Lord. Uh, glory, but not glory that is in the here and now. Right. Something that I like to talk about uh, oftentimes, and I was just talking about it this past Sunday, so it's on my mind, and in trying to help believers think through things, and that would be the inaugurated kingdom versus the consummated kingdom. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't say versus, but in contrast, yeah. uh, we don't want to have an under-realized eschatology. We don't have an over-realized eschatology. Uh, Jesus is the king. Jesus uh, was crucified and raised, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, ascended. So we do have an inaugurated kingdom. Mm. He is the king, but we're waiting for his return. We're waiting for the marriage supper of the lamb, the yeah. consummation, if you will, like at a wedding. And so we're longing for that day when we will be glorified, when we won't be struggling and to get through our lives in the here and now amidst the turmoil, amidst the difficulty, amidst the suffering, amidst the confusion, all of these complexities that come as, to us as sinners, living with fellow sinners, even in the life of the church, we have to remember this is not glory. Yeah. Uh, this is not the age to come, but we do have confidence regarding the age to come. Yeah. And you see that time and time again throughout, I always think of the Psalms, uh, you see the psalmist struggling and wrestling in this life, in the here and now, 
But what gets the psalmist through as the psalmist is praying and singing to God is the reminders, the truth, the hope, and the sure hope of the age that is to come. So, so Mike, since we're on this topic and talking about what is sure in the age to come, inaugurated versus, versus consummated, it does remind me of our last episode that we did on theonomy, mm-hmm. because there we would have an over-realized eschatology. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a good distinction between inaugurated and consummated, and I'm maybe just going to take a moment and thank our listeners for giving us great feedback and yeah. re- great response. Yeah. I know not everyone was happy with it, <laughs> but it certainly stirred some conversation. Yes. And I'm grateful for the positive feedback. I want to say I'm grateful for all the feedback, but I, I, I would be lying. <laughs> uh, I'm grateful for the positive feedback because I like to be affirmed. <laughs> but uh, several people, as you would say, <laughs> several people did tune in. Uh, and shared it with others. So yeah, in all sincerity, thank you. We appreciate it. We all need encouragement. We're thankful for that. Yep, we are very thankful. I even received one phone call from someone telling me how much he liked it, but I don't think he wants to say it publicly. So <laughs> there is that. Uh, so there is Closet that. Fan. Uh-huh. Let's call his name. Never mind. <laughs> I won't say it. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> so moving right along, if you tuned out or you were distracted, we are talking today on the Pactum about maneuvering the waters of difficulty in the Christian experience. And so this is, we're not focusing on persecution. We're focusing on what I call getting burned in the church, getting burned by other Christians, being let down, um, disappointed, uh, finding out that people are unbelievers maybe, or people who have been influencing your life for good have done gross bad uh, and things like this that really can be devastating for people. And so we're on a third guiding principle, a third thing to keep in mind to help get you through the difficulty that is the Christian life. And that would be the fact that Jesus, Jesus himself was burned uh, by those, even those closest to him. Yeah. Yep. I think a lot of times we immediately think of Judas, uh, but it's important to keep in mind that even Jesus' true disciples, they scattered. I remember uh, reading with my kids even the week leading up to Easter, reading the account from the Gospels, mm-hmm. and uh, reading when Jesus went off to pray and had asked them to stay, and they kind of you know abandon him, and they fall asleep, and they don't keep watch. And then when he is arrested, they scatter. Mm-hmm. And my, I just remember my kids thinking, what, why would they do that? Why would they do that? And what a great question, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. But it's true that Jesus was even burned by those who were closest to him. And we need to keep in mind, and oftentimes we want to point out the fact that we're not Jesus. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we have a Messiah complex, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but we don't mean to suggest that we're him. But as Christians, we do bear his name. So yeah. we're not Christ, but we are Christians, Christians. And so there is a real solidarity. There is a real likeness. Uh, he did say uh, that the way you were, the way I am treated, you will be treated mm. because a servant is not greater than his master. And so there's a, there's a good, there's a good and important sense that we need to remember that if people were not loyal to Jesus, or maybe that's not the best way to say it, uh, but they let him down in my vernacular, they burned him. Mm. It shouldn't be altogether surprising when people let us down sure. and fail us and burn us because it's part of living as fallen human beings. Yeah. And so I, I, in particular today, Mike, want to offer some encouragement to our fellow pastors who listen. Hmm. We are grateful for you. 
And we would encourage you to remember this one. Remember this. Remember that when people let you down, even if you're being faithful and you get your heart broken, maybe speaking to pastor's wives as well. I know one, I live with one. Mm. And sometimes it's very difficult for them because they watch this happen time and time again, where people who seem to be on the team uh, or seem to be real close end up not being uh, real close. And it really is painful. It really does hurt and can be rather devastating. And yet we need to remember that if people weren't faithful to the good shepherd, Mm. uh, those of us who are under shepherds shouldn't expect them to be more loyal to us. Yeah. So keep it in mind. Uh, it's hard. It doesn't take the pain away. Right. But there, there is fellowship, even not only with fellow pastors, there's fellowship with our Lord, uh, the ultimate chief shepherd. And so it shouldn't cause us to be calloused. It shouldn't cause us to say, I'm done mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm out because I've been burned too many times. Uh, Let's keep looking to Christ and remember uh, that he was burned again and again and again, uh, and yet he was faithful to his responsibility as the good shepherd. Yeah. Well, Pat, as we are talking uh, about Christ and how he was burned by those who are closest to him uh, and how we can look to him as the chief shepherd, uh, we have to remember, even as we go through this life, that there only is one who is righteous— and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. I love First John two one. Jesus Christ, the, the righteous. You yes. can say the. I'm going to say sorry. the. In, is in it another... the or the? Is it when it's followed by a word that has a vowel? Oh, I don't know. That's I don't know. I, was... I actually don't want to know because I like to say the sometimes, <laughs> and I, I like to say the we sometimes. Can, you say it again. Jesus and I, Christ. And I went to public school, righteous. so I don't care. Um, <laughs> my truth is I say it however I want to say it, depending upon the way the wind is blowing. And I'm trying to be missional to those who are like me who don't have great grammar. So <laughs> Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous. I love the text. It's a great, stark reminder. It's even to the point of being punchy and and deliberate. Mm -hmm. We have to remember to get through this life with some success and some sanity, spiritually speaking, Jesus Christ is the only perfect law keeper. Jesus Christ is the only one who loved his neighbor appropriately. He's the only one who loved a father with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm afraid we act like, again, Pelagians or maybe Arminians. When we expect other Christians to be able to be perfectly righteous. Yes. No one is going to be perfectly righteous other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, who should we look to for ultimate faithfulness, ultimate friendship, ultimate loyalty? We have to look to Christ. Yes. Time and time again, I'm looking to someone else to be, to fill that void in my life, if you will. And it's just a matter of being let down for sure. We, yeah. It it seems like a common problem that you run into a lot in the church and with believers and it we're shocked time and time again when we're let down. We're shocked when someone sins or when someone's not living up to this expectation that we have of them and we need not to be shocked by these things. Uh, it doesn't mean it's okay, it's a license for these people to sin and to Great fail point. and to Great let point. us down. But we live in a fallen broken world with people who are not glorified. And so there is going to be sin. There is going to be wrong done. Uh, And so we need not look at them as though they should be righteous, but we should look to Christ, the one who is 
righteous. Which can help us not be bitter. Yeah. It can help us keep perspective. There is one who will never let you down. Yeah. There is one who is utterly and completely faithful, who will love you mm-hmm. uh, perfectly uh, because of who he is. And it's none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yeah. It reminds me of that book title that we... Um, we, we have the book in our bookstore, a helpful book on marriage, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called, What Did You Expect? Yeah. I think the idea is when you get married, uh, you have expectations, and you should have expectations, but what did you expect? You're marrying a fellow sinner, right. as redeemed as they might be, yeah. uh, a fellow sinner, so they're not perfect. They can't meet the need that only Christ can meet. meet. Yeah. And so I do love that book title, even though I haven't read it. What did you expect? I found it uh, kind of ironic. Not too long ago, someone uh, said to me, they just read the book. I think they're getting ready to get married. They are getting ready to get married. And they said how ironic it is that one of the endorsers of that book is a celebrity Christian pastor who is now denied the faith. Hmm. But in one sense, what did you expect? Because of what we know to be theologically true and everyone lets us down, even the greatest most amazing celebrity pastor who perhaps made a false profession of faith uh, and went out from us because he was not really of us. But no shock, no surprise that such things do happen as sad and as tragic as they are. I think it's important. We're not trying to uh, set people up for uh, a life filled with disappointment here by bringing this up, but it is true that as believers, we, we should have some of our expectations lowered a little bit. I think as we enter the Christian life, you know, I was as we we're talking about that, I was thinking about counseling uh, couples that are getting married, and there was a recent uh, session I did with a couple where I told them, "Your life is not going to be what you think it's going to be when you get married. It is not going to be pretty. It's not going to be the best thing ever. You're going to disappoint each other. You're not going to live up to the expectations." And the looks on their faces, it was almost like, are we, maybe we shouldn't do this. And I said, now I say those things because I want you to have realistic expectations because you are sinners. And at some point, we, we should have that conversation with Christians about our Christian life and how our lives are going to go as believers as we live with other believers in the church and we live with others in the world. Uh, we, we need to have a good, healthy expectation for what our life is going to look like. Instagram. It's going to look like we it look is. on Instagram. It is. Hashtag right? blessed. A little, bit of <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of touch up, a little bit of coloring. Nice filters. It's awesome. <laughs> Insta life. Insta marriage life. I would appeal again to pastors today and say, please help here, pastors. Uh, please point people away from yourself yeah. uh, on a regular basis as you preach Christ and you know nothing among the people except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Point people to him and him alone as the ultimate need meter, if yeah. you will, mm-hmm. uh, as the alone savior. Uh, point people away from yourself. Point people away from even the Bible characters yeah. um, because they let us down again and again and again. Point them to Christ. Even the heroes of the faith that we learn about in the book of Hebrews, yeah. the reason they're the heroes of the faith is because of they because they believed, yeah. they trusted, they rested yeah. not in themselves, uh, in their hero status, but be, they're they're selected out and highlighted because they trusted God. Uh, they didn't trust in themselves. Mm. Hey, Mike, do you think Peter was righteous? No. How about Paul? No. <laughs> now we can talk about relative righteous and absolute absolute righteousness and all that sort of thing. 
But those are a couple of examples, and maybe Peter's the easier one, right? Yeah, because we know Peter betrays Jesus, and so that ends badly. Now, sometimes when we're novice in our understanding of the Bible, we say, "Yeah, but but later on, once once Pentecost happened, then everything was perfect." Yeah, which is not true either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise, the Apostle Paul wouldn't have to confront him for his compromising. So he was not perfect. We need to keep that in mind. Look to the Christ that Peter proclaims. Yeah. And then if we talk about the Apostle Paul, uh, it's it's unnerving how great we make him, even yeah. though I esteem him greatly. Yeah. He preached Christ. Yes. Uh, the Apostle Paul would have let people down. Yes, absolutely. And if he wouldn't have let people down, that means he's righteous. Yep. That means he doesn't need a substitute. That means, or, or he's glorified uh, before glorification can be a possibility. So I'm not trying to throw Paul under the bus, but even the Apostle Paul said, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, preached in my gospel. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about Paul as if he's the fourth member of the Godhead, mm. which doesn't make sense at all. Right. Um, and we turn it into some kind of weird hero worship. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I want to learn from his boldness. I want to follow him as he follows Christ and that sort of thing. But let's keep it in mind that he preached Christ for a reason. Yeah. And we pastors need to be training people, pointing away from ourselves uh, so that they can be trained and brought up in the faith to know that even if there's radical fallout and there's compromise and there's failure with a Christian leader or something like that, their faith never rested upon them. Their yeah. faith never rested upon a given pastor. Their faith is unshakable because it's actually in someone else, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Yeah. And I think this kind of leads us into another uh, reason we want to highlight here on the episode today, and uh, that is the, the power is in the Word of God. The, the power is in Scripture. It's not in the preacher or the man himself. I think we need to say that like a million times over. Yeah. Where is the power? Well, it's in pastor, brother, reverend, so-and-so, <laughs> doctor. It's right reverend. Uh, right <laughs> reverend, doctor, brother, pastor, so-and-so, and I got his autograph. Yes. This takes us back to our celebrity podcast yeah. or our Ordinary Means ordinary podcast. Ordinary Means, yeah. Uh, we, we are all about, we, we love us some celebrity. We do, we do. And it is weird. And I mean, even in quote unquote reform circles, evangelical circles, mm -hmm. uh, let, let's be all about that. We're just setting ourselves up. We're setting people up for devastation yeah. and hurt that doesn't necessarily have to happen. Because when that great celebrity crashes and burns, though I don't want them to. Right, yeah. But if and when they do, and it has happened time and time again, uh, I don't want people's faith to be rocked because I didn't, want the, I didn't want their faith to be in that person anyway. Yeah. Faith, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So it is important that we preach. It's important that we have preachers. In Romans 10, we have that. Yeah. But the preacher is not the one. God is the one, the spirit of God is the one, and he uses the preaching of God's word to bring about the new birth and salvation. And so let's be enamored and in awe with that God who does such great things through feeble means, through feeble preachers, the power is there. So if God spoke through Balaam's donkey, I did say the A word, but then we have to red flag the podcast for being explicit, so we're not going to do it. Right. Uh, but the King James Bible uh, does say the Lord opened the mouth of the beep, and she said unto Balaam, 
what have I done to thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's say God doesn't need us. Yeah. And so it, sh- it should be about the revelation of God. It shouldn't be about the preacher to begin with, the powers in the word, not the preacher. If we can have that in our minds, it would really help us um, maneuver through some of the heartache and heartbreak that comes during our Christian lives. Yeah. I don't want this to become a counseling show about my life and uh, lay down on the couch or anything like that. <laughs> but for whatever reason, my, my life, my Christian life, my Christian experience is riddled with teachers who taught me the truth why they themselves, while they themselves either didn't believe it or their lives were, were a train wreck. Mm. And I almost don't want to talk about it because I think it's so disgraceful. But I am going to talk about it a little bit to hope, hopefully encourage those listening with the fact that even though the person who evangelized me and discipled me uh, has denied the faith, uh, the gospel is still true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's hard for me to, to imagine and it's troubling to me, the gospel is still true. What he taught me from the Bible is still true. Uh, and so I, I have to remember that. Um, I have to remember that Judas would have told people the truth. I have to remember that Demas would have told people the truth. I've heard Benny Hinn in person with my own ears say all kinds of things that are true, and not to mention then say all kinds of things that were false. Um, But again, it comes back to the Balaam donkey kind of thing. Uh, The truth is the truth no matter where it comes from, even though it's no excuse for people acting badly. Uh, The person who introduced me to the doctrines of grace really in a good, robust, systematic way when I was in seminary, my favorite professor, uh, while he was teaching those very things, I think, was living a double life. Mm. And that's tragic and wrong. And the Lord disciplines those he loves. But it doesn't make it any less true. What's true is true no matter what. It reminds me of a phone call I received not that long ago from a friend who was calling me to let me know that his pastor uh, was no longer qualified to be a pastor and had made a train wreck of his life morally. And among other things, I said to him, I said, just remember uh, that the things he taught you that were about Christ and the gospel, all of them uh, are true and always will be true, even if that man lacks integrity utterly. Right. So before we move on, Mike, do you want me to ask you about people in your life that have let you down? You can, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll take that as a no, and I guess we're moving on to the next thing. I mean, it does happen uh, in people's lives, and I've certainly experienced this as well. As you've been talking about these things, uh, I was just reminded of Philippians, uh, where Paul is talking about those who preach Christ from envy and rivalry, um, slightly different, but Paul does say in Philippians one eighteen, he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So it's slightly different than what we're going uh, and talking about here, um, but in the same regard, it's Paul saying, listen, as long as Christ is proclaimed, and what we're saying here is these truths, this truth of Christ who came to save sinners and to be the righteousness that they need and to be the propitiation for their sins on the cross, that's true, and it doesn't change because of a failure of a person. Uh, The power is certainly in the truth of God's Word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in that, we can rejoice, and in that, we can be thankful that it's still the truth, regardless of what happens with a person. Absolutely. That's a great cross-reference. Even if motives are bad, if it's the right message, we can be thankful for that. Right. So great in principle cross-reference. I'm thankful for that. 
maybe one, just one more opportunity to encourage pastors uh, in this regard, if we can do that. And that would be, as you remind people to look to Christ, uh, remind people that, again, it's not about you. It is about the Word of God. Uh, and so whether it be through your illustrations or other things you're emphasizing, hopefully you're training people to be prepared to hear that bad news that they probably, if they live very long as a Christian, they're going to hear. Uh, We wish they wouldn't hear any of that bad news. uh, But as they hear the bad news, at least they can know and be reminded through your preaching, your shepherding, that it is upon Christ, the solid rock that we stand. Mm -hmm. We don't stand upon uh, some person, some celebrity or something like that. Let's move on to something related, and that would be another guiding principle would be that a bad church doesn't mean that all churches are bad. Right. I've met people, I know you've met people before, that they've been burned by churches, and I generally don't doubt them. Yep. And yet, just because there are bad churches doesn't mean all churches are bad. Right. There are bad churches mentioned in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, yeah. and there are some who are affirmed. I think you're right. There are people who I've known that they struggle to want to go to a church or to find a church that they can trust because they've been burned by others, and it's a real struggle for them in life. Uh, But you you want them to realize and understand that just because there's a bad church doesn't mean they all are bad churches. Uh, Certainly things have happened and do transpire and take place, unfortunately, uh, but we can still go to churches knowing that it doesn't mean just because they're church, just because they uh, hold to some of the same things that this bad church held to means, well, they're bad as well. So so look for those basic things for the church to do well, to be pointing you to Christ yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, even thinking about the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me, mm-hmm. not the celebrity pastor who right. tells great jokes or, or whatever it might be. Uh, to look for those basic things to be done well, those ordinary means of grace. So you're constantly being reminded where your true Savior is, not some sort of functional Savior. Mm. So you're looking for a church that does not have an identity crisis, who's not looking for the next big thing, the next wave that God's going to send, uh, or something like that. It is called the church. It is called gospel ministry, Mm -hmm. ordinary means, uh, ministry, uh, the word of God, the sacraments, the Lord's Supper, and baptism, accountability, discipline, uh, the right preaching of the word of God, clearly focusing on Christ. Uh, There are some basic things that we can do well as a church, not trying to be all things to all people in, in a different sense. Right. Other than the biblical sense, right. um, we're not trying to meet everyone's need, but we can do things well and point people to Christ. It's the best thing we can be doing. Right. And Pat, lest we make it through an entire episode without uh, mentioning confessions. Speaking uh, of confessional, I saw that this latest episode of Table Talk from Legionnaire uh, deals with con- being confessional, and the articles look look really good. Have you read any of those? I haven't. All right. Why don't you do that? And get back to me. I'll do. Uh, that. We. <laughs> I'm on it. We. To our point here today to help you to cope with, to deal with, to maneuver through the difficulties of getting burned as a Christian, even amongst Christians, uh, we want to encourage you to be confessional in your discipleship. Mm. We think that would be wise. Uh, Confessions are helpful because they're not written by individuals. So if if we disciple people with this individual's book and that individual's book, sure, there's a place for that. Uh, It's biblical. Or if we make it just about us and our Bible reading, sure, that's fine. Uh, But there's something helpful, we believe, about discipling Christians with historic confessions uh, 
uh, that is helpful. Why would we say something like that? Well, for starters, it's it's time-tested. This is something that has been around. It's not something new. It's not something that somebody's just thought up or, hey, we've figured out this new way. But it's it's a time-tested thing. It's been around for it's, hundreds of years. Yep. It's corporate. It's time-tested. They're all dead. They're all dead, which They're makes all it dead, sir. What line is that list. from? They're all dead, sir. I think that's a line from Rambo. Is it? I think so. The original Rambo. Speaking of confessions, never seen it. Never seen it. So here's a funny story about Rambo. I'm telling one of my sons, both of my sons, about watching Rambo. Uh, if you're offended by the fact that we watch Rambo, uh, you can tune out. <laughs> and I think there's a Neonomians Are Us podcast <laughs> that you could go listen to instead. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So I'm trying to explain to my one son, you know, rite of passage kind of thing. We're going to watch this movie Rambo. And my other son wants nothing to do with it whatsoever and is like, just refuses. He's the younger son. Uh, and come to find out later, he thought <laughs> he thought we were going to watch Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> there's a little bit of difference between Rambo and Dumbo. That's funny because Dumbo's more the line of the stuff we watch in my house. I, we're, we're <laughs> they're all dead, sir. So going back to the they're all dead, sir line, there is, to be perfectly honest, something comforting to me about using historic confessions to train people, to disciple them, because they're not written by individuals. Uh, they are time-tested. And we're probably not going to read about those who drafted such things in the newspaper or in Christianity right. Today right. Yeah. Uh, or on some sort of uh, heresy hunter blog yeah. next week. Yeah. So there, there's a certain amount of safety involved. They're yeah. contra, contra celebrity, uh, and I think that could be helpful. Again, we're not, we're not bashing systematic theologies, but those are written by individuals, and rightfully so. They're, they're helpful. Mm -hmm. We yeah. use them. We utilize them. But maybe first and foremost, before we um, utilize Wayne Grudem, uh, who we'll later be embarrassed by um, or something like that, maybe we smile because of doctrine of God controversies floating around. Um, let's use a historic confession to disciple people, and let's use systematic theologies for other reasons, like Lewis Burkhoff. Well, Pat, let's move to maybe a final guiding principle that we can encourage our listeners with. So we're not let down. I have that song by Switchfoot in my head, The Beautiful Let Down. Man, that... That's got to be one of my top albums. I'm totally with of you. Of all time. I can't yeah, stop listening to I'm not a big Christian music person like you are. Um, <laughs> I feel that was... That sounds terrible. Sheesh. Offensive. Uh -huh. I'm, wounded. Uh -huh. I'm wounded. Well, tell me more about your journey. All oh, we're getting more likes and subscribes. <laughs> we do want to end on this note that God uses all of this, all of this heartache, all of this heartbreak that comes from living in a fallen world with other fallen people. Uh, he does use all of it. For our good, he promises that. Yeah. And so let's keep in mind that even the bad, the painful, Romans 8 promises us, God is using it. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely using it in our lives. I so love the line about Jesus during his earthly ministry in John 13, where it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, yeah. or the end, if you'd like. <laughs> it's fantastic. It, it is balm for the soul. Uh, he is that kind of savior. He loved them to the very end. Let's look to him. Let's look to the one uh, of whom it is said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. 
That's what can get us through these hard times, knowing the Lord uses it, knowing the Lord can use it because he will love us no matter what. It's no wonder the psalmist says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. I'm going to add, some in pastors Pastors and celebrities, celebrities, uh, whatever it might be, powerful things. Uh, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. But we, we believers, trust in the name of the Lord our God. Yeah. So let's be doing that in the days ahead, and we can maneuver even the most difficult times by the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit of God, uh, even using the means that God gives us uh, to one day see Christ and be made like Him, uh, even if it means in the in-between time we've been discipled by the likes of Demas mm. or something awful like that. Yeah, and these these promises they don't promise to fix these trials, fix these moments of suffering here and now, uh, but they do give us hope to cling to Christ, to know that one day we will be rid of all these sufferings, we will be rid of all these trials fully, completely, when we're glorified with Christ, and that is hope. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time. We won't see any of you. Um, That's true. Why do we say that? I don't know. It just seems like the thing we're supposed to say, right? Good night now.